Hello, and welcome to our Breaking Bias podcast. We are Ali Reza Asobar and Anemone Paleko, your hosts of the Deloitte podcast for diversity and inclusion. Our today's guest is Catherine Starks, branch manager and head of asset servicing at Bank of New York Mellon. She's a champion in DNI, a coach and a mentor, especially for women. Welcome, Kathy, and thank you very much for being with us. Would you like to please introduce yourself? Thank you very much, Ali Reza. Well, as you can perhaps hear, I'm English, but I've actually lived in Germany for 40 years, and this is my home here in Frankfurt. And I have worked for BNY Mellon now for three years. And my, my job at BNY Mellon is that I am head of asset servicing, and I look after clients, and I'm responsible for growth in the business. And as a sideline, I'm also extremely passionate about supporting and mentoring younger women, and in particular women who have recently been promoted into a leadership role. And so I spend quite some time on the job, but also outside of my work um, doing that. And additionally, I'm married to an American and I'm mentioning it because I'm married to an African-American and I have two lovely children aged 19 and 26. Your passion is the topic of diversity and inclusion in organizations. How come you are so passionate about the topic of diversity and inclusion? I think I've had a lot of experience working in a number of small and large organizations throughout my career. And, and I've also experienced discrimination, and, and I know we're going to talk about that later, but I've also observed discrimination, and I found myself getting really infuriated by it and realized that the person who has to do something about discrimination is all of us. We can't wait for somebody else to solve this. And, and that's really why I'm so passionate about it. And I really want to say at this point, I'm not just passionate about diversity and inclusion for women, but just feel that we are more successful. And I just feel this, this is common knowledge. We're more successful in diverse organizations. And each different voice that comes into a team or a system adds value and wants to be heard. So to exclude certain people is just stupidity from a business point of view. I, I feel like a friend of mine once said, diversity is being invited to the ball and inclusion is being asked to dance. And I think we have a, a third job to do, and that is to accept people who dance differently than us and bring them in and hear them regardless. Katie, I think that's a really great and strong statement, and I can fully agree with you on that. And my ambition as a young lady or young woman is especially to also be in a leadership role and have a diverse team. And I think your attitude to DEI is very, so, so rare. That's so, so sad to say, but I have to, to say that it's so rare because not everybody's thinking like you, but to inspire the other ones or our listeners in our podcast. So can you give us a little insight into your private life and your private commitment? So what is bringing you joy when you think about your engagement of DEI or for DEI? Well, you know, first of all, I have two biracial children and I really want to make sure that we 
in the older generation create a world where they can be themselves and have all the same opportunities as everybody else. And, you know, uh, the three of us all live in Germany and we know there's a long way to go here on all of those topics. And I've actually witnessed racism. My children have witnessed racism and my husband has. And so I just feel it's incumbent upon all of us to do whatever we can to provide an oasis in the work world for people to work where they can just do themselves and they don't have to pretend not to be a certain way. They can be whoever they are. And in my private life, so, I mean, you know, in the kind of role that I have, it's very uh, liquid between my private, my work life. But almost every evening I have coaching clients that I support. I do a lot of voluntary mentoring as well. And one of the topics that always comes up is helping people to build their confidence to succeed, even when they have been told, whether directly or indirectly, that there's something not quite right about them, how they are. And one of my roles in life is to build their confidence or to help them to see that they can do anything that they want to. And I I get my energy from that. So even after a long day at work, I'm really happy to coach and mentor in my spare time as well. I'm very impressed by your statements, even though your engagement is very well known to me. Kathy, you are nominated as a role model by the Fanswoman in 2020 for your successful work at BNY Mellon Germany to increase the proportion of women in management positions. Tell us how that came about and what are you doing at the BNY Mellon in Germany, especially on this topic? So I'm very fortunate in that BNY Mellon has very, very clear expectations of diversity and inclusion when we recruit, when we promote. And it is a huge topic for all of us. And we're all, we all have targets to achieve certain goals. Nonetheless, what, what I had observed was that even though we have a policy, we have a policy that actually states that when you have a job free, that you have to ensure that you have a mixed slate of candidates. So that means if you have a job, say, in human resources, where we typically have many female applicants, you also need to have male applicants. Where you have typically only male applicants, you have to ensure that you have at least some female applicants. And we had a situation last year where there was a role that was being advertised and I was told we can't find any female applicants. Can you please interview these two gentlemen? And I just said, let's look further. Let's, I'll do the interviews when I have a mixed slate. And just by simply refute, well, refusing, just by simply saying that I was going to insist on having a mixed slate of candidates, we ended up searching further because the initial reaction was, well, there's nobody in that role in the market. And I said, well, of course not, because no women are getting an opportunity to be in that particular role. So we need to find women who can grow into that role. And a few months later, an application and we had an application from a woman who we hired and she's been a fantastic hire. She's a, an excellent candidate and I can't imagine anybody that would have been better than her, man or woman. And then just more recently, we had a very similar situation. We were looking for somebody. I was told, I don't have any applicants. Here are the two men that have applied. Can you please interview them? And I said, no, I'm not going to interview them until I have women. 
And they said, yes, but we're desperate. We need to fill this role. So I went out on LinkedIn and I reviewed the job description that we were using and realized that it hadn't been written with a woman in mind. So we have special processes that we run our job ads through. I'm sure this is something everybody's familiar with, but it needed some more tweaking. It needed some very specific thing, elements that I know as a woman will make you either apply or not apply. And the other thing I did, I went around the organization and picked some women and spoke to some women and said, why don't you apply for it? This would be a great fit for you. And one of them in a very typical manner said, well, I don't think I'm qualified for it. And I said, apply anyway, you would be great in this job. And indeed, she's the one who got the job. So just by putting in extra effort and just not accepting that there are no female applicants, we can change the world. But what I will say is I'm always really saddened by the fact that I don't see men expending as much energy on this as I as women do. It's always the women fighting for this. And that's one of my greatest wishes is for men to get more engaged in understanding that it will be to their benefit if they had more diversity in their teams. I think that's very interesting because I wanted to ask you about the job advertisement because sometimes I just include myself um, as women are maybe not um, that confident like a man and say, okay, I if there's just 70% of that I fulfill the requirements of this job, I'm not that confident like a man to say, okay, I just do it anyways. And if the job advertisement is not focused more on female roles, I think that more females have the anxiety to actually apply on that job. So I think it's a really great work that you did that you actually review the job advertisement and said, okay, well, no, I will not interview until I have somebody who is sitting here with great competence and who is female. So I really have a great respect for that. So if me you're too, thinking about... Sorry? I said, me too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're thinking about BNY, Melon, um, and compared to other banks, how do you at BNY manage to have such a high percentage of women in leadership positions? Is there a quota where you say, okay, we have to fulfill the quota? And can you tell us something about BNY Mellon's competitiveness in regarding diversity inclusion? Do you think that these two things have to do something with each other? Did you have the possibility to measure that in some way? So let me let me just start by saying when I was interviewing for the role at BNY Mellon, I was very, very vocal about my expectations. And I asked my future boss, what does BNY Mellon do for women? Because I was not about to join an organization that didn't have improving diversity front and center of their strategy. And I was very fortunate at the time because my boss at the time um, had, I think he said he had six, six out of 10 people working for him were women. And he had a very good kind of story to tell about how he'd recruited women and why he enjoyed working with women. So, so then that was, so I was very, very convinced. 
And what I noticed when I first joined BNY Mellon was how many of the men at BNY Mellon are extremely vocal about hiring women and having diverse workforces. Now, I know I just said before, I wish men would do more, but we do have a number of very senior men who are extremely vocal. We've had, for instance, men who've refused to sit on panels unless there are women on the panels. And I love that. That's such a statement. Wow. And um, the other thing at BNY Mellon is that you are given permission to uh, insist on diversity and inclusion. It is part of our DNA. And it, and it really is. I mean, it doesn't matter what uh, group you belong to, whether it's LGBTQ or whether it's disabilities, there's a sense in the organization that you are welcome and that we want you at our table and we want you in our conversations. In fact, one of our mantras is who's missing in this conversation. And indeed, I'm convinced it makes us more competitive because you've got um, you've got different perspectives. I mean, we have a number of African-American women. We have a number of, of other you know, nationalities, people who think differently. We have a really broad mix across our company, but especially in our senior management. And I think it makes a huge difference. And actually, you know, our clients insist on it too. When we have RFPs now, that's one of the questions that we get asked. And we get a lot of positive feedback from the market. And in fact, people asking us, as you just did, how do we do it? And yes, it's in our annual goals. We have uh, targets that we have to meet for diversity. Actually, I very much like the idea. Uh, at the end of, of the day, it's not about the m single minorities that you have in, in your bank and uh, we have in our company. At the end, it's about the mindset, right? Uh, we need to have a, a common mindset of diversity, of equity, of including every single person in the company. That's exactly right. I've done a lot of training in, in team coaching and we spent an entire weekend just studying why it's important to hear every voice, to include everybody, to make sure that even the silent voices are heard. And this has not always got anything to do with somebody being a man or a woman. It's just about being inclusive to everybody, even people who, who don't think like you, people you may not want to spend your Saturday night with, but they are important and they have an important voice. And we all benefit when we open ourselves up and stop judging and just start becoming curious about people. Yeah, actually, Katie, that brings me to my next question. But before I ask you the question, I just want to say, with our Breaking Bias podcast, we actually want to synthesize employee, but also people outside of the company to the bias that each of us more or less carries within ourselves. I know that you are uh, one of those people who actively and regularly work on your bias. So I know that, that you're doing this. Tell us more <laughs> about that. Tell us um, uh, why, I mean, what are you doing in this case to, to um, and somehow manage your bias? And why is it important for you? And actually, if I can mm -hmm. also add in, uh, into it, what are the implications of unconscious bias and stereotypes for women in leadership? And uh, how do you think you can get a bias-free organization uh, in your bank? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, I was uh, made aware of those Harvard implicit bias tests probably about 20 years ago. And I can highly recommend um, that everybody take those. And, and it's interesting because I was actually having a, a business meeting with um, one of your partners, Dorothea Schmidt. And 
we were discussing, you know, Bank of New York topics, and we both agreed, you know, how nice it is that we are two you know, senior women able to talk to one another, because it's just so much more relaxed when two women can talk to each other in business. So that's, that's one real benefit. But I was telling her about these tests, and she said she was going to go and do them. And we've since discussed that she has indeed um, had a look at some of her own biases, as I have my own biases. And so I do these regularly just because I want to keep an eye on where I am and what biases I have. And most recently, I identified that I had a slight bias. It wasn't very strong, but I had a slight bias um, against, or not against, but for cisgender people as opposed to transgender people. And so for me, I was horrified. So I, I was aware then, I was aware, and I started thinking about it. And then I just made it a point to take some time to look in the media. I read a couple of books written by transgender people, and it made me, made me much more aware of the struggles and the difficulties. And then I retook the test, by the way. I always retake the test, and their biases had gone. And that's to the point I was making before. When we approach human beings with curiosity and willingness to learn, it's almost impossible to discriminate against people, regardless of who they are. So I think those unconscious bias tests are extremely important. You're never going to get unconscious biases out of human beings. We all have them. I think the problem with them being unconscious is they make you say stuff and do stuff that is possibly offensive or discriminatory to somebody who you're speaking to. So um, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a, a man in our organization who's African-American, and he was saying that he often gets told that he should speak slightly differently in meetings. He should do things in a slightly different way. And every time he hears that, he feels like he's being told to be a bit more white. And the person saying it to him has no idea they're doing this. They're doing this out of um, a feeling of trying to be helpful, but it's not coming across helpful. It's making that person feel like they don't belong and that they need to become more white to fit in the organization. And I think being aware of our biases can stop that behavior because it makes you question yourself. And I think it's so important to know yourself first as a leader before you can start trying to lead other people. The implications of unconscious bias for women are huge. They lead to people asking women questions like, well, who's going to look after your kids um, when you come and work for us? And I, I was recently at a mentoring event and a man said to me, I said, oh, I work at Bank of New York. And he said, oh, what do you do there? Are you in HR? And I said, no, I'm the CEO of the branch. And I said, and I just looked at him and there were four women standing around. And I said, let me ask you something. Would you ask a man whether he was in HR when he told you he worked for Bank of New York Mellon? <laughs> or would you just ask a woman that? And then he was quite defensive about it. But I've got to know him a bit since. And he told me that that really opened his eyes, that conversation, because he actually didn't mean anything by it. But I was really insulted by it. And these kinds of questions come from unconscious bias about women, what they should be doing or uh, and should not be doing. Totally right. I totally understand. Um, when we are talking about discrimination, you started that with your, when we ask you why you started your engagement um, or your voluntary work, 
I think there's always an event where you say, okay, now I have enough. I will do something to change the world. Was there something or did you personally face discrimination in your life where you said, okay, now that's enough for me and I have to do something? Because I can just speak for myself. I just faced a lot of personal discrimination on social media uh, in case of business and my voluntary work, then in case of racism. So I'm just doing there or standing there doing my stuff because I want to do something to better the world. How was that in your case? Did you have personally been discriminated in, in the past? You know, I've had so much discrimination in my life, but I very often didn't recognize it until I looked back. And one of the reasons I didn't recognize it was because I had been exposed to the contamination and just thought that I wasn't good enough. And I repeatedly thought that all I had to do was get better, and then I would have the same opportunities as the men. Now, of course, that's made me better because I fought all my life to, um, to be the best, but I often didn't recognize it. Sometimes now I look back and think it was so obvious, but sometimes I think it was also good because it protected me, not protected me, but it sort of stopped me from feeling like a victim. But I'll give you a couple of examples of things that happened to me that I think were quite significant. So one of them is that I was told when I first got married that it probably would be better not to let the people I work with see my husband because it wouldn't look good that I'm married to a black man. I was also told that by somebody that I knew from work that I probably shouldn't have kids because it isn't fair to bring uh, biracial kids into the world. And when I was pregnant with my first child, my boss at the time said to me, well, we know you're not going to come back to work because, you know, my wife didn't come back to work after she uh, got pregnant. And from that moment on, I was excluded from any and all meetings. So I think now you've got more of the kind of anonymous, so semi-anonymous social media stuff going on. But when I was younger, men just got away with saying things like, that. I mean, less than 12 years ago, I had a man say to me that we couldn't promote a woman because we knew she's trying to have children. And three men in the room said nothing. So I've had a lot of discrimination. I've had a lot of situations where the boys were out on the golf course or in the strip club making all the decisions and the women weren't invited. I've seen a lot. And that's why it's so, so, so important to me to help other women. And This um, quote that I read is, to, you know, be the woman you needed when you were younger really resonates with me because I think just with a bit of help and a bit of reassurance, uh, women can actually do anything they want. I totally Katie, uh, agree with you on that. <laughs> Katie, uh, let me ask you another question in this direction. So Anemone just mentioned um, probably the time has changed. The discrimination before was more in another way than today. Today, you have the social media and people can hide behind and discriminate others. I, as a man, or many men outside are listening to us, what is our duty? What can we do to somehow support in case of discrimination, especially for women? So my first recommendation is for, for women to choose a partner that does half the work or a bit more depending on who does what job. And so my, my recommendation to you as, as a man is 
do half the work at home. Don't be in that situation where your wife is coming home from a job exhausted or she's been online all day and then she's got to do kids schooling all by herself and do the laundry. So that would be my first recommendation is for men in their private lives to be a 50% partner to their wives. I was very, very lucky that my husband stayed home and actually looked after the kids while I was working. So that's the first thing. And then at work, just remind yourself that this is not something that's happening temporarily and it's all going to fade away. Women and not just women, but diversity is here to stay and it's going to grow. And it's only fair. The playing field is leveled and women have an equal chance when they apply for a job or apply for a promotion to get that promotion. And I think also men have to stop looking at women who think differently and make assumptions that that's less than. Women think differently than men in some cases. Different nationalities think differently in some cases. And that is what makes us all, that's what makes us all great. I remember I used to work for Euroclear and the CEO of Euroclear, Leva Mostre, I remember once saying to her that I thought it would be great if we could introduce a mentoring program for women. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not doing it. I'm not mentoring women and telling them that they're not good enough. Women don't need to be changed. Women just need to be accepted. And I was really humbled when she said that because she's right. Why are we mentoring? I mean, I do it anyway because I know that it's helpful, but we don't mentor young men on how to be in a leadership position like we do women. Why not? We're sort of giving a subliminal message that women need to be slightly altered to be acceptable in a leadership position. And she made that point very well. I also want to mention that I worked for five years here at Deloitte, but even before that, at my studies, I had always the problem that if I had the same competence like my male team partner, I was always being seen as a competitor, not as a team partner. And I think when a man, not all men, but a few of them, if they see, okay, there's a strong, confident woman who has the similar competences like me, he suddenly, immediately uh, sees the woman as a competitor and uh, tries to bring her down kind of ways with these kind of questions, these these unnecessary questions you, you mentioned before, like what about your kids and, and this and that. And I have the feeling that this need to be changed in future, that uh, we all have the same chances for the same positions. But it's just my personal opinion. I don't know what you think about that. Completely agree. I mean, those are very sort of fearful, weak men who display that type of behavior. And I'm not sure we need people like that in our leadership, in our organizations. I work with some extremely strong men who are, you know, doing half the housework at home. They're um, not making any difference between men and women. And I think we also need to make it very clear that that sort of toxic male behavior is just not welcome in our organizations. I, you know, I love working with men and I love working with women. And the type of men that I like are the ones where I know they're going home and, and being a decent partner to their, to their wife and encouraging their wife in her career. Those are the kind of men I think we need in our organizations. And that kind of toxicity, I just feel like it's not going to last because if they work for women, then they're not going to get away with that for very long, are they? 
Totally true, right. <laughs> true, true. Please let me just add from my point of view, I think we men, of course, we need to be an ally and we need to have more courage and, and speak up to support the women, mm-hmm. whether it is in the organization itself or new days in social media. It's very important that men speak up so that we show not all men are like some of them who are discriminating. You know, Men are on a journey as well, along with the women, and we all are learning. And I have met so many incredible men who fight for women, you know, like you, Ali Reza, you're really, you're recording a podcast now where you've got to listen to us make comments about men and you're not defensive about it. That's what's needed. We just need more. We need, uh, we need allies that support us and stand up. I mean, that example I gave that I experienced a few years ago, I think what made that so painful to me was not that it was that somebody said, oh, we, we can't promote that person because we know she's trying to have a baby. And, and then I said, that's discrimination, was told that's good leadership. There were three men in the room that said nothing. And those were three men that I actually respected. One of them was my former boss. And I was so dismayed that they just sat there and left me alone with this uh, situation. And that's, I think, what we need to do. We need to speak up when we see it. Katie, at the end, um, I can't dismiss you without asking you, as a successful woman, of course, for your recommendation for women in professional life and careers. What tips do you have for women, you know, who decide and would like to go their own way in the corporate world? Is there anything that you would recommend? So I've, I've already said one of them, which is make sure you, if you're planning to have kids, or even if you're not, make sure you have a decent partner, male or female, or whoever you choose at home supporting you, because you need support when you're pursuing a career, because things are not always easy. The second thing I would say is pick well. You know, if you go for an interview and you don't think the person that's across from you is going to be a good manager and you have a bad feeling, don't take the job anyway. You know, and if you work somewhere and you realize you've unfortunately picked a poor manager, you know, leave. You should always leave bad bosses. It's never good to stay. You can stay for a while and learn from them, but leave. Go somewhere where you get treated with respect. And then the other thing that I would say is, and this is going to sound a bit weird maybe, but don't work too hard. I see people all around me thinking, all I have to do is be the hardest working person here and I'll get promoted. You don't get promoted by working 12 hours a day. You get promoted by producing good results. So please keep that in mind because I know women um, and men, by the way, who have small children and work till 12 o'clock every night. And then one day their kids are 16 and don't want to talk to them anymore. There's just no need for that. You don't have to work extremely long hours to be successful. And then as a manager, you have to role model that, which is something that I try to do as well. And then, the, you know, lastly, find, accept help. Find, I'm sorry, it's raining here. Find help, you know, find a coach, find a mentor. You don't have to do everything on your own. I, By the way, when I was younger, I thought I had to do everything on my own and never accepted any help. And that's one of the main things I've learned in the last 10 years is I always have a coach and I always have women that I can turn to for advice and, um, and other men in leadership positions that are my mentors. Make use of the people around you. People are only too happy to share their experience with you. 
Evie, imagine a, a, a woman is now listening to our podcast and she really likes what you're talking about. And uh, she, she sees how you're passionate about this topic and how you uh, even mentor some women and not only women, of course. So what would be the recommendation that you would offer her in case she would like to have a mentor? Okay, so... Um... The best way at the moment to find me, because I, I do have a very, very busy job, but the best way to make contact with me at the moment is via LinkedIn. And I'm uh, a very actively involved in posting and reading all of my messages there. So if you are interested, please drop me a line on LinkedIn. And um, I'm very, very happy to speak to you about some of the possibilities and um, we can see how I can help you. That's so nice. I think you are really a um, pure definition of a power woman, in my opinion. You really, <laughs> uh, I uh, really I admire your uh, your attitude, your positive energy, and your uh, perspective on on these DEI topics. And from my side, I was really happy, really, really happy, and empowered by you, Katie. Thank you for being on our podcast, talking with us about diversity inclusion. It was really a great opportunity and uh, I gained a lot of insights and um, your advice about taking help or asking for help. I have to really yeah, exemplify that <laughs> because I really have that problem never asking for help. And I think that's a big problem in my case, but I would do that in future, of course. Well, you know where to come. Definitely. I didn't want to mention that now in a podcast, but you should check your DMs on LinkedIn. <laughs> Please let me add, Katie, uh, also I am very honored to have you in our podcast. Thank you very much that you took your time. I know that we, you know, very shortly, yeah, very shortly contacted you to, to be in our podcast. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you very much for answering our questions and hope to see you and to listen to you and, and to talk to you again. Thank you both so much. It was a great honor and a great pleasure to get to know you both. Thank you. So, dear listeners, thank you for listening to our cool podcast with Katie. You can find her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can just click on the link and get to know her, chit-chat with her about different topics you heard about her um, passion so just reach out to her I think she will be really happy to get in touch with you and yes that was it our Breaking Bias podcast by Deloitte we were happy that you uh, listened to us and you will find the podcast on our website Breaking Bias by Deloitte or on Spotify Apple Podcasts and other important podcast platforms wish you a great day and Listen to us very, very soon.